Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Top 40 country radio recording artist D.A. Cole is firing things up on the Lions Radio Network with this provocative approach to talk radio. Hot topics, interesting guests, and music will entice listeners to call in and join the conversation on Turning Up the Heat. Hi, I'm D.A. Cole, and once again, welcome to Turning Up the Heat along with my engineer, producer, and co-host, Mr. Brian Gard. Yay, once again. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Uh, tonight we have a very special guest. Um, if you are uh, uh, a regular listener to our show, you know that we have uh, a lot of Major League ball players as our guests. Um, and tonight we have a Major League umpire. And he's umpired a lot of the games of the players that we've had as guests. Uh, our guest is a 32-year veteran, uh, Major League Baseball, umpired three World Series, three All-Star Games, 91 postseason games, and 16 years as American League crew chief. I'm happy to welcome to the show, Dale Scott. Hi, Dale. Uh, DA and uh, Brian, it's so good to, uh, go, so good to be here. Well, we're we're really thrilled to have you. As I mentioned, um, you know we've had a lot of ball plays. We had um, we had Von Joshua uh, just a few weeks ago, and um, I'm sure you've umpired some of the games that he played in when he was with uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers. And, right. Um, Correct. Von Von may be listening right now, uh, but we're uh, we're we're really thrilled to have you on. And I've got a lot of questions. You've had a quite an illustrious career as a major league umpire, and. Um, you know, I just want to start out by, by, by thanking you for your service in the major leagues. And, uh, and certainly uh, you've umpired. I'm a, you know, I'm a native New Yorker, and um, you umpired uh, several of the World Series games that I was uh, lucky enough to be able to watch, you know, every inning of every game, including, um, you know, one of the most really uh, amazing World Series in 2001, right after, uh, right after 9-11, which was unfortunately, uh, you know, we – celebrated that yesterday and uh fortunately we here in new york um we had a world series right after that incident and uh it was really tough here and i know that you probably have your own you know uh, your experience about you know being here during that time and and being involved in that world series it must have been um just uh mixed emotions and uh and, and the intensity of, of of what was going on and then having to uh, to be involved in, in something as important as a World Series, tell us a little bit a little bit about that experience right off the bat, the 2000 series and and what was going on at the time and um, what was your feelings about that and your experience in general. Well, I'll tell you, yeah, it was. Uh, you're absolutely right. It was a it was such a emotional time. The, the whole country was reeling uh, from what had happened that September day, and then of course. Uh, you know, being in New York, uh, even even more, uh, you know, just they're the ones uh, as, as well as D.C. and in and, and Pennsylvania, but that that experienced this this horrible tragedy, and and it was it was uh, almost uh, you know as the playoffs were going that year, 
2001 with the Yankees. And you know, you just you, you know, every I, I told somebody once. I think that uh, for for the first time, uh, you know, because there's Yankee fans and there's people that are not Yankee fans, and it, there's not a lot of in between. <laughs> and I, I got a I got a feeling that year in 2001, there were a lot of normally non-Yankee fans that yeah. turned into them uh, only because of what was happening in our country. Um, and it was, you know, you you you, you have that you know, horrendous event that was, that was taking place in the aftermath of that. And we were, you know, 9-11, this was uh, late October. Uh, so what, six, maybe seven weeks after, after the incident. So, you know, it's, 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 it's fresh and it's, it's raw and it's, it's, it's tearing at people. Then add to it a, a world series, which that in itself is a major event. And that, that in itself brings along, uh, you know, all the, all the weight that a world series does. But, uh, to answer your question, it was very emotional, and and I just so happened to have uh, the way the rotation worked out, the first game in New York, game three, uh, behind the plate. Uh, that was my plate job. We it, when we work a World Series, it's a little different now, but at that time there were six umpires, and you're set up in rotation, and then you just rotate every game. I started off uh, game one in in Phoenix uh, at second base, went to first base game two. So game three was my plate game, and of course. The president, uh, George W. Bush, was going to be throwing out the first pitch, um, and uh, it was a unbelievable series and an unbelievable night. Um, I can tell you, D.A., that, you know, the old Yankee Stadium had some of the best security of, of all of baseball. Um, it was always very tight, uh, you know, getting into the stadium and, and it down to where, you know, our uh, locker room is and, and, of course, the, the visiting teams and, and the Yankees. But that night and that series – um, I've never seen anything quite like it. For example, when we would go to Yankee Stadium we'd, on a normal day, we'd, we'd go down these stairs after we uh, checked in uh, at our spot, go down these stairs, there's a long hallway, there'd be a security guy there. You go down this long hallway, at the end of the hallway, there's a security guy there. One more hallway, security guy there. And then there's the Yankee Clubhouse. We walk right by that and we go into our room. Okay, fine. That night, uh, when the president was going to be there, uh, instead of like four or five security people that we would see on a normal night, there had to be 35. Um, there were there were security people almost every 10 feet. Uh, it was it was it the, the intensity was 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 you know <laughs> you you couldn't uh, not see the intensity of of, of everybody that was uh, just wanting to make sure that everything went <laughs> you know, perfectly that night, and it. it you know, when you were working as an umpire at World Series, that's a huge thing, obviously, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, pressure to that and a lot that goes into that. Uh, and then I just so happened to have the plate that night, and, and the president there, he came into our locker room before the game and, and talked with us, which was really, really nice. So, you, you know, I'm, I'm trying mentally, as I'm preparing for this game, I'm also mentally dealing with all this other side stuff. Uh, it was it was really quite something. It was, it was an incredible series, an incredible night. Yeah, um... Wow. I mean, the whole, the, just the, the intensity and, and the pressure of the game alone, and then having uh, the president of the country coming in, uh, <laughs> a little bit of added uh, excitement. The funny well, thing know, is, you know, uh, it's interesting to uh, What's interesting, D.A., is, you know, uh, uh, George W. Bush, I actually had met and, 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 and knew, knew him before he was even governor because he owned the Rangers. He owned the Rangers. Uh, you know, exactly. down in Texas. 
Yeah, uh-huh. and so I, there would be there would be games I'd be working in in, in Arlington, and and uh, he sits right behind the screen to, at, where the at the end of the right. Ranger dugout, but it's also mm-hmm. where the uh, ball boys would be. And so sometimes between innings, uh, the ball boy was busy doing something else, so I'd just walk over there to, to pick up a couple of baseballs to put in my bag, and he'd be you know sitting right on the other side of the screen. Uh, I would say uh, you know I'd walk up, and of course you know it's Texas, it's uh, it's uh, it's the summer, it's a little warm, and uh, you know I'd be sweating, <laughs> and I'd walk up there and and uh, uh, Mr. Bush would say, well, Dale, looks like you're sweating a little bit, you, know? <laughs> you think? Um, but uh, uh, so I had known him. So so that night at, at Yankee Stadium for game three, um, I was when 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 the when the president came in, I was actually in the in the next room uh, using the uh, washing my hands and just kind of, you know, getting ready. So I heard the ruckus as it came in, you know, so I knew he was there. And I came out and I I, I always wear a uh, Oregon Duck hat uh, that I have in my bag that I uh, wear before every game. So, right? so I'm wearing this Oregon Duck hat and I walk out and I say, uh, Mr. President, how are you, Dale Scott? And he goes, Dale, I know who you are. He goes, you're the guy that's always sweating in Texas. <laughs> Exactly. And then he looked up at my hat and he said, uh, he said, wow, he goes, I didn't know you were an Oregon fan. I go, yeah, yes, sir. I, I live in Portland. He goes, well, you know, a funny thing about Portland, all I know about Portland is every time my dad or I went there, there was a riot. <laughs> I said, well, that's, that's, that's what Portland does, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. uh, it was, uh, it really was a, a remarkable night. Isn't it isn't it great to, to to know that the one thing that a former president of the United States remembers you by is that you you perspired? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I I guess there could be worse things. I don't know. <laughs> there could be worse things. You know, you mentioned um, you were mentioning about the security in Yankee Stadium, which you know I, I was I'm sure you know un- unbelievable. I wasn't at any of those games, but I you know I'd been to the old stadium. Um, I have some great stories my, my, myself about the old stadium. Um, and, uh, you know, the security was, was always, a lot, you know, it was beefed up around, around Yankee stadium and then Jerome Avenue before the games, but somehow I always managed to either, you know, to get in with a $6 ticket and sit in row one above the Yankees <laughs> one way or another, or, or get in without a ticket or so, um, right, I, was right. to, I was able to somehow, uh, manipulate the security to get into the stadium you know i wasn't going to do any harm to anybody there but i was very fortunate in being able to uh that old stadium was the kind of place where for me it was kind of like there was a part there was it was a big party but there just happened to be a baseball game going on at the same time that's that was the the feeling of yankee stadium it was amazing it was just an amazing experience and a great place to, to be and um i don't yet feel the same way about the new stadium did you get a chance to umpire in in the new stadium yeah, yeah, I've worked. Uh, I've worked uh, several games at the new stadium. Uh, you know, it's it's it, what's what's weird it's though, DA, is the fact that well, the, the, the fact is that you know I have friends that go to games or I leave them tickets or whatever, and then they'll 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 talk to me about how you know you know whatever it is in the, in the, the concessions or the the, the 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 atrium or you know whatever part of the right. stadium. And what's funny is. The, the, I don't know any about that, anything about that because I'm never up there. You know, I'm always, uh, I'm always <laughs> right. through a, 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 you know, I'm always through a different entrance that, that we go through, and we go yeah. down into the bowels of the stadium, and we and we go to our locker room, and we go onto the field, and we, you know, that's it. You know, so it, what's funny is I, people say, well, how do you compare the two? Well, I can only compare it from what our locker room is like and what the field's like. At field know? level, that's yeah. About it. You're not yeah. aware of the different uh, types of sushi that they serve at the stadium. No. Or, you know, <laughs> I can tell no, you this. No. I. Uh, 
I was at um I had, I had the good fortune of going out to the West Coast with um some of the uh, ex Mets players last year to do some singing on the West Coast in um in Southern California and I did a little something on the um on on Petco Field where the Padres play and I don't know if you've ever right. been on Petco Field but that is one of the most um, the, the the field is so well groomed it's it's almost unreal how how well groomed the the field you know the the grounds crew keeps that right. field um beautiful and uh and when we i went there with a uh, former mets catcher john stearns uh a few other players herm winningham and um a few players that you probably recognize the names of and um sure. pet, the the food <laughs> the food in petco field they have these gigantic not wor- knock and kill bosses that are they're like nine or ten dollars <laughs> but they're like a foot i mean they're great amazing best food right. i've ever taken right. in the ballpark um, so that's one of the one of the uh, the amenities that I recognized uh, in, in a ballpark outside of Yankee Stadium. Um, I had another question that I wanted to ask you. Um, you um, you've done some uh, you know just tell us about your journey to the to the major leagues. You've done some uh, winter ball umpiring in the Dominican Republic. Um, tell us about that experience. Well, that that really was quite an experience. Uh, what what, uh, what baseball does. Uh, uh, they used to have send umpires to the Dominican, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, and Colombia uh, for winter ball. Well, with uh, the situations in Venezuela and Colombia uh, not as stable as they used to be, I guess uh, uh, they they aren't doing that anymore. But uh, anyway, I, I went down. I, what they do is they send AAA umpires, the guys have gotten up to AAA, and that are prospects for the big leagues. They they're not uh, they're not with the big leagues yet, or that you know, but they're uh, either the well at, the, at that time when I was in AAA. We have National League and American League separate umpire staffs, um, and and you know now it's all combined. We're just major league umpires. But yeah, I went down. Uh, it was uh, October of 1984, which was uh, I had been promoted to AAA in May of that year, and uh, I was uh, told I was informed that I would be one of the uh, uh, one of the four uh, umpires going to the Dominican Republic for winter ball and winter ball down there, they have a lot of the, you know, native players that have, that are, that are, that are, that are playing uh, now or that used to play and then maybe kind of on the downside of their, uh, their career. Uh, and then a lot of prospects, you have a lot of prospects that are in the uh, minor league system here in the States that are uh, Dominican. Then they have, uh, there's, a, there's a ratio, I don't know what it is, but you could have X amount of non-Dominican players, and that's, uh, you know, the teams will send their prospects, just like the umpires are the, are the uh, prospects to, to make it to the big leagues as umpires. They'll, they'll send uh, 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 player prospects for the team, pitchers and, and, and uh, fielders and all that kind of stuff. Or maybe guys that maybe missed the season because of an injury, and now they're they're healthy again, and they want to tune them up before the you know spring training and all that stuff. It runs from about mid October until the end of uh, January. So, uh, what you know, you go down there for four Americans. Uh, luckily, two of them that uh, two of the umpires that I was with were there the year before. Then it was myself and, and one other guy that uh, were the rookies. And luckily, we were with them because they they knew the ins and outs a little bit of of of, of the island and of, of Santo Domingo where we stayed. It was such a eye opener in many ways, um, eye opener on 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 the off the field from the standpoint that, uh, quite frankly, D, I had never seen uh, poverty like I saw there in in certain parts of the of the island. It was just uh, it was really. Uh, uh, you know, t- it just woke me up to you know, got me out of my cocoon of, of, of the United States a little bit, um, and it was really uh, uh, 
uh, something like that, would guess. You know, just incredible stuff that I saw. Then the baseball was actually pretty good baseball, but it was very intense. And uh, uh, the fans were, were – <laughs> the fans were uh, – very enthusiastic and let you know exactly how they felt. <laughs> well, the, 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 from the poverty standpoint, uh, it's it, you know, I mean, it's probably kids pl- using milk cartons as gloves, which I've heard that they they did. Right. Um, right. And and they're playing literally for their life because if they're recognized and they're taken out of that poverty to you know to to play ball, they're going to get paid money that they would never be able to make anywhere else on that island. So um, that's, right. I'm sure that's, right. that contributes to the intensity of the play of the competition. Um, you know, I wanted to mention, um, uh, Dale, you, you mentioned to me um, in one of our previous conversations before the show that you, um, that you had done um, some radio, that you had done radio. And, uh, and I wanted to comment that you have a great voice for radio. Uh, you're coming through so well. You know, it's funny. Uh, Brian over here tells me that I have a great face for radio. And I was curious yeah, well, about I've, that. I have been, <laughs> I have been told that many times. <laughs> there, there's no, uh, there, there's no doubt. Yeah, I worked radio. I started actually I started radio I, when I was uh, like in junior high. I wanted to be a radio disc jockey. I thought that was so cool. And, and I got into high school. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and they had a, a the, the school district there. The four high schools uh, shared a uh, an FM station, and we, each each school would get a, a allotment of time every day. And so I actually started working radio as a disc jockey there. I got a job at a local top 40 station, uh, KBDF UG, 1280. And I, <laughs> it was, wow. Uh, <laughs> that sounds authentic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I started when I was 16, actually, uh, at KBDF. It was, a, it was the summer before. I was almost 17, but it was the summer before my senior year. Uh, then I worked part-time there all the way through uh, graduate high school, a couple of years of college, and then full-time for about a year. Uh, before I went to umpire school and then uh, and then started pursuing that. But yeah, radio was fun. I had a blast in radio. Yeah, and we're uh, welcome back. We're uh, we're gonna play a little <laughs> bit of Led Zeppelin "Stairway to Heaven" for the fiftieth time today. <laughs> well, I, "Stairway uh, to Heaven" was a great uh, great song to play if you had to go to the bathroom because it's like seven yeah, minutes. Right. So it was pretty yeah. <laughs> my uh, to quote to quote my father, they they wore the uh, grooves out in all the records because I, I wasn't uh, I don't think I was alive when that one uh, hit the airwaves and uh, he was just like they they wore the grooves out of every record playing that thing uh, across the country, but. Um, right, for obvious right. reasons, um, but uh, so just kind of uh, want to take take us a little bit uh, back into the into the wayback machine. Uh, and you said you, you kind of came out of, of Eugene, Oregon, and you know had some exposure. You you were you, you kind of how did your path diverge in terms of like going down the uh, the umpiring route? Uh, my speaking but for myself, like my cousin at one point, you know, he wanted to get into into umpiring, and I know there's like an umpire school, and he. He's out of Milwaukee, and he he, he he obviously just has a deep love of the game, or else probably wouldn't have gone um, tried to pursue that. Um, but you know, it's it's not like every person that's you know rolls out of bed that wants to be a a major league umpire can reach the <laughs> uh, the heights and and, and uh, that that you that you have. And uh, so I, I am pumping you up a little bit, but I, I really want to get at the heart of kind of how how you really um, gravitated towards. Uh, the uh, this this is a is a calling for 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 a career. Well, uh, when I uh, growing up, I was a huge baseball fan, and uh, it was it seemed rather obvious to me that I was going to be the first baseman for the Dodgers when I got older. Um, 
<laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I, 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 I soon realized as I was uh, playing that I couldn't uh, run, hit, field, or throw. And so those are important things that you kind of need to do to be a baseball player. So when I was right. going into high school, uh, uh, our high school at that time was just a three-year high school. So I, right after my ninth grade year, the last year I actually played baseball, I was going into high school. I was 15 years old, and I, um, you know, either at a JV team or a varsity team, and it was obvious I was going to make either one of those. Um, but a friend of mine who was a year older had umpired the, the, the previous summer, and he said, you know, you should you should look into umpiring. You, you stay involved in the game. Uh, you can make some money. And, you know, at 15, if, if you can't play because you have no talent and you're, you know, too young to coach, even though uh, I would have been a horrible coach anyway. But uh, uh, but I thought, you know, umpiring, I, that, that, that interests me. And, and, and the thing was is that when I was, when I was playing, I, I, I used to watch the umpires a lot because, let's face it, I was on the bench a lot. So uh, I had time to do that. <laughs> um, so I, so I, thought, I thought, you know, that, that, that is interesting. So I, so I, uh, I started umpiring uh, when I was 15. And uh, t- you're supposed to be 16 for the, to join the association there. And I talked the, uh, the uh, commissioner into it. I said, I, I'll, be, I'll be 16 in August. I swear I'll do a good job. You know? So um, got started doing, you know, doing the, the little league and, and some junior high stuff. Um, and really enjoyed it. I just, uh, I, I really, it was something that I, that I, uh, it was a challenge every day. Every, every game is different. You know, you hear about, um, uh, people that have jobs that just, they're, they're just bored to tears. It's the same thing every day, every day, every day. Well, you know, uh, any sports official, but you know, you know, baseball umpire, it, it's, it's not the same every day. I mean, you never know when you walk on the field, if it's going to be a, uh, you know, extra inning game. It's going to be a perfect right. game. It's going to be a no hitter. It's going to be a, a 15 to 12 game. You, you, you don't know what's going to happen uh, when you walk on the field. And, and, and you, the challenge is, is to be able to deal with whatever happens and try to do it as best you can and, 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 and you know, and go from there. So I, that's when I started when I was 15. And, that, and, and I was also working uh, when I was, you know, 16, like I said, in radio. So it was funny. Like uh, my senior year in high school, I, I, uh, you know, I would I would go out and and, and work a, a like a junior high game on a Friday afternoon, and then Friday night um, I'm the uh, uh, KBF personality Dale Scott working their uh, you know their dance. I'm, I'm the DJ for their dance, and so you would have you would have these you'd have these kids that come up and they say, dude, that that guy struck me out today, and now he's our DJ. For Friday night. So so they they they, they started calling me the, the the umpire with the golden voice, and. So, <laughs> That's how it, so they coincided, you know, and and I and I thought, well, I'll go into radio because that's what I loved, and the some part of the thing I'll do on the side, and and I started uh, refereeing football and basketball also, but. Uh, then the same person that got me to start umpire, and he said, "You know, you should go to umpire school. I mean, uh, you've got a lot of talent. I think you would enjoy it. You, you, you would uh, learn so much about baseball, about umpiring." Um, and you know, so that I thought, you know, that's yeah, I think I could do that. So when I was 21, I went to umpire school, and and that's the only way you get into professional baseball. Which uh, reminds me, uh, before we let you go, I have to hear your strike call. Can we hear that? <laughs> Well, it, it, you know, it's 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 the, the the audio on it isn't as good as the as the uh, actual uh, visual on it, but obviously the visual is not really good right now since we're on uh, radio. So uh, it, actually, when I had a strike three, it's just it, usually I just would you know strike three, 
you know, I just is real quick and real, real snappy. But, 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 but uh-huh. uh, visually, I'm stepping back and, and giving it the old, uh, the old Dale Scott, uh, uh, do, you know, dosey do kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> so. Is that what it was? Is that you did the dosey do? Okay, good. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't. <laughs> I, it's funny. I, I I had a lot of compliments. A lot of people said they loved my my strike call and my strike three call especially. And it's something that you know everybody has their own little personality or their own little quirks or whatever they like to do. And uh, you know, I, I and it evolved. You know, from when I was in the minor leagues to when I first started in the big leagues, my 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 mechanics evolved a little bit. But uh, uh, it's it's uh, I, I never officially named it. I, I just uh, Dosey Doe might work. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe uh, the uh, instead of a Texas two step, it was an Oregon two step. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it. it... <laughs> so so coming up, um, you know, through the through the ranks, uh, do you feel like your th- your skin had to be thicker uh, at the at the major league level? Um, versus kind of uh, at the lower maybe like amateur levels or even um, even down in, in the in the uh, you know in the bowels of little league I, I, I just speaking from experience I, I did some refereeing some basketball refereeing in, in high school and my my goodness uh, you know if you don't <laughs> If you don't, if, if you don't have at least some form of reptilian uh, epidermis, meaning like almost Teflon and and uh, and iron to your core, uh, you're you're just not going to do real well because the parents are all over you. And then you know, as as, as probably as you go through the ranks, uh, you know, does it get easier? Does it get any? You know, talk a little bit about like your 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 uh, thickness of your skin and right. your soul. Well, you know, uh, you know, people will ask me why, you know, why, uh, you know, why did you go into baseball as an umpire? I said, well, because you know, I love verbal abuse. It's just, a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, to, to answer your question, quite frankly, it, 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 in many ways, it's tougher. Uh, in amateur ranks and 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 with like you were talking about parents, I remember when I was working, like I was 16, 17, working. I would have my parents' car, go work a game, and you know after the game, uh, uh, you know parents or, or even sometimes coaches would would follow you, screaming at you. You know I'm trying to take off my plate gear at the at, at the at the car. They're 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 threatening to to key the car or to puncture a tire or whatever. And, you know, and uh, and I and I and I'm thinking to myself. I mean, I understand people get intent, you know, into their kids and into their games, or whatever. But, but it's such for me, it's just such a horrible, horrible uh, example for your kid to, to to act like that. I I get that, that that sometimes you're upset, and maybe you know there's missed calls. I, I get all of that, but you know, remember that even though you might be worked up, these kids are watching. You know, they're seeing what's going on. And but uh, you know, I've always told people that you know when I been asked about security what did you ever feel uh uh when you're working in the big leagues you know were you ever concerned about your security i said in the big leagues not at all i said it was the concern are those uh uh, four guys and gals that work uh uh, you know local diamonds throughout the the country every every day that uh have have zero security and and have uh you know the verbal abuse and the and the threat the threats and those kinds of things. It doesn't happen every game, but it but it certainly does happen, and uh, that's that was more scary than than anything I had in the in the big leagues. But 
it's it's tough. You you have to you have to uh, it, not everybody it's just like anything, but not everybody can be a, a, an official uh, because it's just it's 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 a it's a, you've got to you've got to be able to have thick skin. You got to be able to understand that you're going to make mistakes and you have to move forward afterwards and not dwell on them because you got another play coming or another pitch. Uh, you you have to you know have uh, knowledge of the rules, the mechanics, and 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 and, and things, and, and you have to just make split second decisions. Uh, there's no you know you don't have a lot of nuance here. It's either out or safe, or you know strike or ball. You can't you can't think too much about it uh, because you won't be a very uh, efficient or very uh, credible uh, umpire if you do. Yeah, I mean, and 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 further, uh, you know, do they? Is there a mandate, um, at least with the league or uh, maybe even with the union, that everyone has to have uh, some kind of, uh, I guess it would be eye, eye level, eyesight level uh, aptitude. Like, in other words, you, you've got to be at least, you know, you had to have had LASIK, or you've got to be twenty fifteen, or you know. Was there some kind of requirement? Yeah. Um, you have got to have contacts. We're checking your eyes every six months. I mean, I've just always been curious about like kind of what the, um, you know, the, the background rules are, expectations, I should say, for for what the right. uh, uh, eyesight aptitude is. Yeah. Well, you know, we had a physical every every January. Uh, we would we would uh, meet in, in Phoenix for about a four day. We call it a retreat, but uh, we'd go over new rules. We'd go over new, you know, all kinds of stuff, whatever we had to do. But part of that was a, uh, a complete physical that we would have, including, obviously, an eye test. Um, and, you know, there's many umpires. Some is, you know, used to be you would never see an umpire wearing glasses in, in the big league level. Um, but that doesn't mean guys didn't wear glasses or, or have correction. It's just they were wearing, con- you know, some were wearing contacts. Now, you, you will see some that will wear glasses now because that taboo is a little bit been broken a little bit. The, the bottom line is, um, you know, whether it's contacts or glasses or if you don't need them at all, you, you know, you, you, you need to have pretty good eyesight. But that's that's a given. But, uh you know the other thing, like from umpire school, as you're as you're as you're going through umpire school, and if you if you get uh, if you're high enough at the school where you're you're placed in the minor leagues and start working your way through there, um, you know you you can have umpires that that have uh, that have great uh, mechanics and they and they they know the rules and they 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 know where they need to go and their and their uh, their plate uh, stances and and everything everything's all good. You can teach that stuff, and, and you have guys that pick that up, but you cannot teach judgment. You either have judgment or you don't, and um, and that's weeded out, you know, pretty quickly. You're, you're, you know, if if somebody gets through umpire school and in the lower minor leagues, they're gonna they're gonna figure it out pretty quickly that the, the, the guy's judgment maybe isn't as good as it needs to be, and it, that, you know, uh, you're, if 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 you have good judgment, it'll get you through a lot of situations uh, just because that's that's how you can you know people say well what's the difference between a triple a guy that makes it and one that doesn't well usually uh talent wise they're about the same i mean they they, they, they you don't get to triple a without without having to you know pretty good talent and, and know what you're doing on the field and know the rules and that kind of stuff what separates them is how you deal with situations and and your judgment and how you deal so in other words you could have two umpires that are you know, pretty compatible, but in an argument or in a in a uh, in a in a situation that you know happens, whatever it may be, 
uh, umpire A uh, seems to always somehow throw more more gas on the fire, or or somehow lets that situation uh, eat at him as the game goes on from that point. Where umpire B deals with the situation calmly, does what he has to do if it's an ejection, if whatever it is, but then he just moves straight on to the next you know next play, next pitch, and 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 and, and it's not something that's eaten at him on the field and affecting his work. And 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 so those are those are the differentiate you know how you differentiate between two really good umpires is how they handle situations because by the time they get to that that point um, they're they're you know usually their ball strike out, out safe uh, fair foul stuff is you know pretty compatible and if an umpire you know comes out onto the field with big huge rimmed glasses you know coke bottle lenses there's probably <laughs> going to be an issue or something but you know could be yeah, potentially a problem. We, yeah I mean, <laughs> Right, right, and and you know it's it's um you know it's 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 like uh, you know that would not be a good look, obviously. Um, uh, uh, you know another another a funny story. I was in I was in Texas several years ago, and uh, somehow I had got uh, pink eye. How how I have no idea, but my my left eye was very irritated and, and red and uh and i could you know I, I mean i could it wasn't really affecting my vision but it, but it looked like i it looked horrible you know it looked a lot worse than what it was <laughs> right. well before the uh before the game the uh uh the team doctor came in to take a look he prescribed me some eye drops and stuff and he said he goes yeah he goes you know this should clear it up pretty quickly and, um you know if it's a little uh irritating so you can always wear an eye patch and i said <laughs> Excuse me, doctor. I said, you do, of course, realize what room you're in, right? I said, I, I said this is the umpire room. If I walked out there in an eye patch, you think they might get a little, you know, just like, hey, one eye jack wants a wants a uh, check swing. You can't see on that one side, you know. I mean, it's uh, not not going to work out very well. But that, as a joke, the next day I showed up at the ballpark. I had bought an eye patch at, uh, at a drugstore and showed up with an eye patch. <laughs> not on the field, but, uh, but, but when I walked into the locker room, got a good laugh That's out of that. Great. Uh, let's let's uh, let's open up the phone lines and uh, see if we can get some uh, callers to speak to Dale, ask some questions. You can uh, you can call in the studio and speak to us at six four six 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 eight eight four nine four. Again, we've got Dale Scott. Call us up at six four six 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 eight eight four nine four. And um, Brian, you had a question for Dale? Oh, yeah, Dale. Uh, just kind of going through my my laundry list of exciting uh, <laughs> exciting questions. Uh, were there any magic words? Were there any magic words or, or actions from players or managers that would automatically result in their dismissal from the game? Um, kind of, in other words, how short uh, was your fuse? <laughs> well, there are automatics. Uh, uh, there's there's certain uh, certain words or, or things you say or certain uh, uh, you know. Uh, you know, behaviors that you do during an argument or whatever is going to be an automatic. And, you know, at the big league level, they, they, they know, they know what is acceptable and what's not. And, 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 uh, uh sometimes, uh, they just don't care. You know, they're going to say it anyway, because they don't know the, uh, the, uh, outcome. Uh, and other times, uh, uh, they may act shocked, but you know, they're in the big leagues. But for example, um, in an argument, uh, you can. We have. You know. These are all. You know. These are all big boys. They're all got their big boy pants on. So you know. There's a lot of cussing going on. 
Um, and the language is a little salty. But as long as that salty language is not directed or personalized to you, meaning me, um, then, you know, so I could uh, call somebody safe a second and, 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 and uh, you know, somebody, you know, I, you know, I, I tagged them, I blankety blank tagged them. I, I can't think that's the worst blankety blank call I've ever heard. Those, those things are, you know, eh, they're not necessarily pleasant to hear, but they're not, they're not, you're not going to get ejected for that. But if he had said, uh, uh, you missed that call. That's horrible. Uh, uh, you know, you are a blankety blankety blank. Okay. Well, he just said I am. He just he just personalized you are something, and that's going to be ejection. You're going to get ejected for that. So that's okay. that's that. And then you have the obvious ones. Uh, any contact. Uh, if you throw equipment uh, during an argument, or turn your hat around, or if you draw a line in the dirt, uh, a hitter saying that's where the that's where the pitch was. Or uh, I had a guy draw a line on me. I called him strike three, and he drew a line. I said, Oh, I didn't know you're an artist. Why don't you go in the clubhouse and work on that? And I ejected him. Um, what, uh, you what, know, uh, so it's it it yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Dale. I I was really anxious to ask you what was your most memorable dust up with a major league manager. Well, I was the last umpire to ever eject Billy Martin. Um, you know, I, it was so uh, the Mor- Memorial Day 1988 uh, in Oakland. The Yankees were in Oakland, and I, it was my third year in the big leagues. And uh, I I was at first base. It was a five o'clock start in Oakland uh, at the time. It was like I said, it was Memorial Day, and at the time, uh, ABC used to have Monday night, you know, they have Monday night football. They used to have uh, also Monday night baseball. So we, we were a five o'clock start, and they had watered down the infield to keep the dust down like they normally do. Uh, and and so, in the bottom of the third inning, uh, Oakland leading off. Uh, Walt Weiss was a rookie that year. Um, mm-hmm. He nobody on. He 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 hit a, a little uh, you know dying liner uh, to second baseman Bobby Meacham, who. The question was, did he did he catch it? Uh, he caught it right at the ground level. Did he catch it? Did it skip into his glove, or did he catch the ball, you know, on the fly? Well, it wasn't even my call. Second base umpire made the call, but he said he said no catch. Well, Meacham, um, you know, he, he didn't even look to see if if uh, Rick Reed was the second base umpire. He didn't even look to see if Rick had a catch, no catch. He just started to throw it around the horn because uh, he. You know, uh, well, from first base, it looked like it, it skipped. I, I thought it was a no-catch also. It was very close. And uh, if he had just looked, even if we had to play wrong, he would have been able to throw the lights out by, by 30 feet. You know, I mean, it was it was a no-brainer play. But he just started throwing it around the infield. So Weiss you know, gets the first, and we got it. You know, he's a first. He's safe. So immediately, of course, an argument. Here comes Billy running out of the first base dugout. Well, he comes by me. Uh, he screams at me, you saw him catch the ball. And I said, no, Billy, he, he trapped it as he, as he ran by. Well, he got in an argument with Rick, and he started going, and I'm just standing off to the side, you know, just minding my own business. And uh, he suddenly looks up at me, and he said, you saw him catch the ball. And I, goes, I said, no, Billy, he, he trapped it. He said, you're full of blah, 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 blah. Well, that's, that's, that's a you. Uh, he's, he's personalized it, so uh, uh, you're not going to get away with that. And, that. and I ejected him, and he started to try to kick dirt on me. The dirt was still damp because they had watered it down. He couldn't get any, you know, about two kicks. He couldn't get any dirt. So he bent down and he picked up a bunch of dirt and he threw it on my chest. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that before you even said Billy Martin, I was, I actually, I thought it was going to be Billy Martin. That, you know, the worst thing you've ever had would, 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 have, been, would have been Billy Martin. Um, I know that uh, Tommy Lasorda did a couple of, you know, a couple of wacky things, but Billy was probably in, in recent times the most recognizable for really, you know, uh, kicking yeah, well, well, Billy, you know, Billy had his on-field antics, but 
Yeah, but he also was fired two or three or four times, and the, and the whole yeah. Bronx Zoo kind of thing that went on. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, so he was, uh, he was, you know, when I when I first came up, and at that time I was an American League umpire until until we combined in 2000. Uh, so I didn't see Lasorda hardly at all. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of spring training games or something, but. Uh, but you know we had we had uh, Dick Williams uh, was when I came up he was with the uh, Mariners and he was a longtime manager who was just a uh, uh, not a, not a great friend of the umpires. Um, you, had, you had you had Billy Martin, uh, you had Earl Weaver who had he had retired. Mm-hmm. Then he then he was yeah. he was out like a year or so and then he came back one year. I so I had him that one year. Uh, but those three right there, <clears throat> excuse me, those three right there are. <laughs> you know, you could you could Google those three and, and find uh, on YouTube a ton of uh, arguments with those three. Yeah, I forgot about Earl Weaver. That's right. I I remember Dick Williams with the A's. He was a uh, he managed yeah, the he A's. Was with those, the, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Those 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 uh, swinging A's, seventy two, seventy three, seventy four teams. Mm-hmm. He was the manager of those teams, was he not? Mm-hmm. Um, man, yeah. He yeah. won three three World Series uh, consecutively. Three in a row. Yeah. Yeah, three in a row. Um, so he was three uh, in a row. High-profile guy. Um, didn't didn't know he was not a, a, a favorite of the umpires. I don't remember him getting into it. You know, I was kind of young to watch when I was watching those World Series. I did see them, but I was very young, and I don't remember him having any issues uh, during the during the World Series that come to mind with the umpires. Um, well, who, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he had any during the World Series. In fact, uh, those the, the, the A's team that you're talking about, those three in a row, he probably didn't have too much uh, uh, confrontation because they just seemed to go out and sweep everybody. I mean, they were yeah. they were so well, good well, that uh, there wasn't much to, to argue about on his side. You know, he, he, he was he was the type of guy. He was the type of guy that the, the veteran guys would tell me that he wasn't as flamboyant as the Weavers and the Martins. He was more of a guy that could really you know really sarcastic and real biting uh, the things he. Would say and and it, and and it wouldn't from the from the from the from the fan standpoint. It looks like well, gosh, I wonder what he, what he got run for. It didn't seem like he said much. Well, guess what? The things he did say, it might have been very few words, but it was very pinpointed and direct. <laughs> <laughs> well, those 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 A's teams. Um... They played. They also they played the the big red machine managed by Sparky Anderson, who was another fiery right. guy. Um, I don't know what your experiences right. were with Sparky. Um, well, Sparky was the first manager I ever ejected. Was uh, oh really? Sparky, uh, Tell us about that. In, yeah, my first my first year uh, up in Toronto, uh, uh, getaway day uh, Sunday afternoon game at, uh, behind the plate. He he uh, was not digging my strike zone, and uh, uh, he came out to talk to his pitcher, which he was had no intention of talking to his pitcher. He was waiting for me to come out there, and I knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, and so I, I, I walk up to the mound to, to break it up. He said, he immediately said, you know, where the heck are those pitches and this? And I said, Sparky, you know, the rules, you know, we're not going to talk about pitches. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what we're going to tell you. I'm going to talk about how blop de blop de blop de blop you are. And I said, all right, bye-bye. <laughs> you know, so, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And it, it, uh, um, <laughs> your, uh, your strike zone. Was it the? Did you be more the traditional? Uh, I mean, the strike zone is 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 in, in by the book is knees to letters, but n- nobody. Well, no, nobody it's, goes it's the hollow. Yeah, I mean, it's the hollow of the knee to the to the midpoint between the the the, the uh, waist and the shoulders. So, but you know about about. Uh, you know, it's not, it used to be it used to be the sh- up, up to the shoulders, but no one called that. You know, so they they, they rewrote that. it. Yeah, yeah they, they rewrote it about 15 or so years ago to, to and defined it to a lot more to what it was. You know, what it really was. 
so so what so what is the strike zone in your in your estimation? Well, the thing well, you, you know, <laughs> the thing that people have done. What they have to understand about the strike zone, the strike zone is three-dimensional. It, it starts at the at the very front edge of the plate. It ends at the very back point of the plate. And then, of course, it's uh, as, uh, you know, the, the width is always the same. You have, you have a 17-inch plate, uh, and then you have the height that's different. Uh, it's from the hollow of the knee to the midpoint between the uh, shoulders and the, and the, and the waist when they're uh, in position to strike the ball. In other words, they may be all crouched when the pitcher's getting ready to throw, but when the, when the pitch comes in and when they're actually coming up to try to strike the ball, a lot of times, they'll, they'll, if they're real crouched, like a Ricky Henderson, he would come up a little bit. So in other words, you look at a hitter and you say, well, gosh, he's really crouched. Uh, that zone, the high-low is really compact. Well, that's what it looks like there, but you got to remember it's when he's attempting to hit the ball is, is where your, uh, your high-low is, is, is evaluated. But there's some uh, – a lot of people don't understand a few things about the strike zone. First of all, uh, the baseball is, I don't know, two and a quarter or so uh, inches in diameter. So by rule, if any part of the ball hits any part of the strike zone, it is – by, the, by rule, supposed to be called a strike. Well, that means you have a 17-inch plate, but on each uh, on each side of the plate, both inside and outside, uh, you have another two inches or so uh, because the ball, if any part of the ball hits any part of that plate, mm-hmm. it's the in the zone. So, yeah, yeah, but it's it, 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 people call it the black. That's that's a way to understand it. But but frankly, uh, it, what, what what when you say the black is what what you know what you're saying is is that the the ball at the you know. Uh, you have a 17-inch plate, another two inches on each side, and suddenly you have a you know a 21-inch plate uh, because in, because that's still part of the zone if the ball is ball is hitting part of that. Yeah, it's almost okay, like that's, a ten- that's, that's, comparison to tennis. Like uh, y- you know, the ball hits any part of that line, and it's it's yeah. in. Uh, so it kind of yeah, kinda, and, and, yeah, yeah and, I didn't mean it. Yeah. Well, no, but so so the, so you have that, and and then like I said, it's three-dimensional. So so you know you know technically. Technically, you could have a, a pitcher who throws a slider that at the very front edge of the plate, it's, it's on the very outside corner, uh, front edge of the plate, right at the knee. So it's, it's in that little last little bit of that strike zone of that three-dimensional uh, you know, rectangle box you have there. Um, and then, but by the time the catcher catches it, because it's moving, uh, it, and it's moving down and out, it looks like the catcher's catching almost on the ground or, or close to the ground, uh, a good two or three inches outside of the, of the plate. Technically, technically that's a strike because it entered, the, it entered, if it entered any part of the strike zone. Uh, but that is, uh, you know, you know, like with these computer, uh, the, uh, the, uh, pitch track systems that you see uh, on the screen all the time and, and you hear some some people uh, arguing that we should have computers call pitches because uh, uh, the umpires, the humans are, are too inconsistent. Well, that's all well and good but be careful what you ask for because that pitch that I just described that by rule is a strike, you're not going to have human umpires calling that a strike because it's not accepted as a strike You know, even though technically it may be one. The computer doesn't doesn't know that. It just says, "Oh, it, it hit part of the plate. That's a strike." And and you have a few of those. Uh, you're going to have fans of players uh, complaining all the time because you know there's a there's a nuance to umpiring. It's not just black and white. You know there there's a I always say there's a science to umpiring and then there's the art of umpiring and, and, and or any officiating officiating as far as that goes. So you have to combine the both to be a good official. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I, I'm guilty as, as anyone for watching those uh, pitch trackers and just scratching my head and thinking, you know, that that's the uh, uh, that's the voice of God is that is that pitch tracker and how dare that umpire? Well, that thing was low and outside. And and, and here, you know, well, you've actually shed some good light on that. Well, here's just to take that even a little bit farther. The 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 pitch track system that the, that you see on TV is. Uh, is a how should I say this? It's like, it's like the bare bones type of thing. Okay, for example, if you'll notice the pitch track system, the high low for each hitter doesn't change, right? Mm. Uh, on on the screen. Uh, now we know the constant is the width of the play. We know that's constant. That's always the same. But the high low changes for every hitter, and 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 even. Uh, in the, uh, the same hitter and the same at bat, it can change because if if he's taking a pitch that uh, he's squared to bunt for, uh, his strike zone, his high-low strike zone is going to be different than if he takes a pitch when he's not uh, attempting to bunt. If you if you're following me here, so uh, all that has to be taken into consideration. Where those pitch trackers doesn't have that luxury of taking that high-low into consideration. Um, the other thing is is that like I was saying with the with the ball width or the diameter of the ball on, on each side, you may have a, a on the pitch track that shows it just off the the plate and, and should it be a ball it was called a strike but I, and again I don't know I would you'd have to talk to the, the the people that do those but but I believe that that it if if it uh, uh, if it's just off the plate let's say just a little bit outside it still w- would be within that uh, two and a two and a quarter inch diameter of the ball where on the so on the screen it may look like a ball but in in reality that that very well could have been a strike because it did hit part of that of that plate. So yeah, right. not to get technical in the weeds here, but uh, that, there, there's a lot of nuance to that. And and when you're when you're talking about uh, pitches that are you know in the 80s, 90s mile an hour that are that are that are that are moving uh, in, out, up, down, whatever, these pitches are, are are incredible at what they can do with the baseball. And you have this uh, three-dimensional zone that if it hits any part of it at any time during the pitch. It's technically a strike, and you have all that happening, uh, you know, pretty quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that uh, I think that we I think we get a bad rap a little bit sometimes that our our zones are so bad when I don't think they're as bad as they think they are. <laughs> Let's put right, it that way. Right. No, yeah, I, that, hear, hearing that loud and clear. Um, just finally, because um, I think we're we're getting near the the top of the hour. Um, just one of the last things I think I wanted to um, maybe ask you about was. Uh, obviously you, you love the sport. You wouldn't have worked in it for, for so long if, if you hadn't and, and enjoyed it. And just kind of how you were able to separate your appreciation of the talent, um, you know, marveling at what some of these guys are capable of. You just alluded to the, uh, you know, just the, 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 these guys being able to just paint corners uh, at will. Um, and how are you able to lock in and do your job and, and not necessarily get lost in a given moment um, and find yourself, in, in fandom versus, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the, right. doing, you know, doing your job. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I've seen some unbelievable, you know, players and everything. I mean, I've almost worked 4,000 games, you know, I've, a, a, a career that started in the mid mid eighties and, and, and ended last year. So I, a lot of players who come through pitchers and hitters and, and great players, you know, it, it, it's funny, like I'll be working third base, 
nobody on, and let's say the shortstop goes way in the hole and, and fields a ball he should have never gotten to, and then somehow miraculously spins around and throws a strike to first base and nabs the guy, you know, just barely. When I work in first base and I have that call, I'm not thinking of that at all because I, I got a play and I focused on that. But when I'm a third watching that, I'm going, "Wow, that's a play! Look at that!" <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so you you a few times a game you may be able to have, be able to have that quote unquote spectator shot at something, and that's only because you're not involved with the play at all. There's not multiple runners. There's not things you have to deal with uh, to see that. But when you're when you're working a game, like I said. Uh, your 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 mindset is completely different. You're 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 not watching a game as a fan. You're watching a game as an official, as an umpire. It's even now when when I you know I go to a, and, I, and like I said I, I I refereed on high school level football and basketball. Also, I've got season tickets to the University of Oregon Ducks. Uh, so I go to Austin Stadium all the time, and I'm always you know I watch the Ducks. I'm thrilled about watching the Ducks, and I hope they win. But I'm also watching the uh, the team of officials and and their coverages and their their mechanics and how they work together. You know their teamwork. And it's funny, my friends will say, you know, the Ducks will have a, a long gain and then, and then uh, the flag comes down and it's a holding call and they're going to they're gonna take it back. And all my friends are going, you know, booing and stuff. And, and what do you think of that? And I say, well, you know, uh, instead of booing the guy that did his job, boo the guy that held. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I refuse to uh, – I, I refuse to uh, – you know, make negative comments on the officials because I've been there. I know what it's like. I know it's, uh, it's not a lot of fun. I know I know what it, what it's like to make mistakes. I know what it's like when you're absolutely 100 percent right and nobody wants to believe you. So um, it, it's uh, it's uh, a different way of looking at a at a at a ball game. I think we have a caller. Uh, All right, let's take a call. Hello, you're hello. On. Hi, Gail. Hi, how are Hi, you? Good. Um, I, you know, you're a fascinating guy. I'm very. I, the show has been very interesting. I especially enjoyed that part about um, you being more fearful of the children that you umpire as opposed to the adults. Um, I'm a teacher, and so I can completely understand that. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, it actually was wasn't so much the kids. It, my my biggest issue was was the kids were were watching and seeing uh, these adults acting so uh, uh, well. Just you know, it wasn't a good example for 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 kids, especially younger age, because that's you know, if they see that and think that's acceptable to do with officials and to fall into the car and to to to, to uh, threaten to to uh, puncture their tire or whatever. That's not a good message to send to America's youth, and right. uh, you know, I just, right. I just thought, you know, that I, I, I wish uh, parents would be a little bit more cognizant. I understand they're wrapped up in their kids' uh, sports. I understand that, that uh, you know, that some, you know, you're getting. Let, let's be honest, in, in a little league level, you're getting umpires that aren't maybe as good as as you would hope, but you're also getting players that aren't as good as you hope. I mean, it's the little league, so uh, sure. be a little bit patient out there, you know, and 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 if. If you think you can do a better job than a, than a sports official, there's a shortage nationwide for officials. So come on out and learn to do it and, and do it yourself and see what it's like. Uh, it's not quite as easy as it, it's, it, as you think it might be. Right, right. I'll have to pass that on to the parents that I know who, who coach their kids and umpire their kids. Right, right. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of those little leagues, uh, the, sometimes the parents have to umpire, you know, because they have volunteer umpires or whatever. And I see, you know, my suggestion is everybody should get a shot at doing that. Give it a try, and it it gives you a different perspective. I'm not saying that it'll change your attitude at all, but it will certainly will, it will give you a different perspective on on what it what it's like to be a to be an official. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. 
And You're thank welcome. you for thank your you. call. All right. Well, that was uh, it was nice to hear from one of our listeners and getting getting a little insight uh, from a major league umpire on how parents should act at their kids' little league games. <laughs> um, it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show, Dale. And we'd like to have you back on again soon. We'll um, we'll talk to you. I'll talk to you about that and see if we can set something else up in the near future. Um, Absolutely, I love to. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been great, and uh, again, you have such a great voice for radio that uh, it's been such a pleasure having somebody with such a clear speaking voice. And um, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. And um, for Brian Gard, I'm D. A. Cole, and you've been listening to Turning Up the Heat with Dale Scott. We will see you next time. Thanks, Dale. Take Thank care, you. everybody. Thank you. Take care.